Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Every now and then, I feel the need to start the show with a confession. I think confessing is good for the soul. Every now and then, it's probably good for the show, too. And here's my confession today. And usually, my confessions are related to something, to an agenda. If I have an agenda on the show, I like to kind of lead with it because I never want to try to make you think I'm trying to sneak an agenda past you because, for the most part, I wouldn't be able to do that anyway. You would see that coming a mile away. So here, briefly, is my agenda for the next couple of minutes. I'm going to start with something that's really not all that important but maybe entertaining as a way of hopefully buttering you up for a conversation a couple of minutes from now (laughs) that's going to leave some of you a little bit fatigued but I promise you we won't do that very long either so hopefully you'll go along with the ride with me on this and by the time we're done here a few minutes from now everything is all good so let me start with something unimportant and then we'll get to something that I believe is more important than that do you remember back in June? June starts to feel like a long time ago once you get to this portion of the very end of the summer, just a couple of months away, I should say a couple of weeks away from the start of the upcoming season. June feels like the distant past. But at that time, Father's Day, Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin, who's always very active on social media, seemingly kind of out of nowhere, took a shot at Kirby Smart related to Father's Day. Can we have this image on the screen going back to June? We showed you this at the time. I mean, it's kind of funny. The funniest part about it is, is like the swole looking Nick Saban. Like, I don't know where like the muscular version of Nick Saban, but if you're watching a video, you see this. Uh, the father Saban holding the child Kirby Smart. And uh, Lane Kiffin puts on Twitter trying to get swole after spending Sunday with the GOAT, Alabama football, and obviously reference Kirby Smart there. I mean, the, the joke here is, is that Kirby Smart is the child of Alabama head coach Nick Saban. He put that out there on social media and got a lot of chatter about that. We talked about it on the show. We said most Georgia fans kind of roll their eyes at that. It's not too serious. Most UGA fans kind of think Lane Kiffin's actually you know kind of funny. Well, it's also worth pointing out here that Kirby Smart actually thinks Lane Kiffin is pretty funny too because Smart made an appearance at SEC Media Days with Marty and McGee, familiar with the two um, – you know, kind of Southern shtick dudes from the uh, SEC network, you know, kind of doing that as a gimmick. They had a chance to interview Kirby Smart, and they actually brought up the Lane Kiffin tweet about the Father's Day thing, whatever else. And like I said, this is not really important, but it is kind of funny. I think Kirby's always really funny and natural and genuine when he's talking about his relationship with other coaches. Smart is clearly a guy that likes being a coach, and I think that he's only, you know, he's always at his happiest when he's hanging out with other coaches, and this is an example of that. I think he's genuinely pretty entertained by Lane Kiffin. Let me let you hear Kirby from the SEC Network as a way of proving that. I'll give Lane this. He didn't post that uh, unwarranted. I mean, we have a, a, a legendary side thread that goes on between Lane and I, so he sent that on the side thread long before he posted it on Twitter. So I know he does it for reaction and for entertainment. We spent several years together there at uh, at Alabama, and that's, that's another one of his ways of taking a shot back at me because, you know, he used to get whoopings when we were there. I didn't get, <laughs> I, I didn't get the same whoopings he got. So uh, he's, getting his, he's trying to get his, his jabs back. Look, I told you before, this is not really all that important. I do think it's funny what Kirby Smart says there about Lane Kiffin getting whoopings as the uh, offensive coordinator working back with Nick Saban. We actually saw a lot of this with our own eyes. You didn't have to be behind the scenes to see some of that. A lot of it actually played out publicly, and it's kind of funny to hear Kirby Smart bring that up. However, you know, this being a show, I sort of feel like I have an obligation to have a take on every subject. So here's my take on this, and 
and, and I'm being serious when I say this, I think it's good that Kirby Smart has friends. Like, you know, Kirby Smart genuinely seems to enjoy being around other coaches. He talks about having a side text thread. You know, we've seen the relationship he had with Will Muschamp, even before Muschamp went on to be a part of the Georgia staff, or Mike Bobo, or in this case, Lane Kiffin. The fact that Smart's texting with guys in the coaching fraternity, the fact they're laughing and having a good time. I think as a Georgia fan, I think it's good to have a Georgia coach who has other friends who are in the coaching ranks because your life will be made easier if people like being around you. And in the case of Nick Saban, you know, he's found a way to, you know, regenerate his coaching staff over and over again every couple of years. And that's amazing that he's done that. But it's almost like he's unnecessarily increased the difficulty of the degree of difficulty required to be a good coach because folks can only take being around a guy like Saban so long before they have to go somewhere else. In the case of Kirby Smart, I don't think he wears out his welcome with other coaches in the coaching fraternity quite so much. So keep that in mind here. Kind of funny to hear you know Kirby Smart have a have a response to Lane Kiffin's viral tweet back in June, but also kind of nice to know that Kirby Smart seems like the kind of guy that can actually authentically form relationships, and in the world of coaching, that is not a very bad thing. All right, so that is the unimportant thing. Let me move to the important thing here for a moment, and I got a message the other day. I think it was in our video comment section. Uh, Somebody was talking about how, B.A., if I could have my wish on Dog Nation Daily, there's two names I'd never hear again. One was one of the names I just brought up, Nick Saban, and the other was former Georgia quarterback Justin Fields. (laughs) At the risk of angering you for about a minute, I want to mention both Saban and Fields together just for a little bit. Let me see if I can tie all this together. Uh, A lot of attention over the weekend because of the fact that in a preseason game of the NFL, we saw the Bears against the Bills, and for a moment we saw Jake Fromm on the field for the, for the Buffalo Bills and uh, Justin Fields on the field for the Chicago Bears. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch this game. I was working, you know, for the most part all weekend long, so I didn't get a chance to see much of this, but the comparison between Fromm and Fields as NFL players kind of brought back to mind the comparison that also once went on for both these guys at the college level. And there was a lot of attention paid this weekend to a tweet from Kirk Herbstreit, who had seen, whether it be Pro Football Focus or our buddy Barrett Salee, or anybody else who's going to brought this stuff up. And, and Kirk Herbstreet said he's basically tired of hearing about all of this. Let me show you the tweet from Kirk Herbstreet on Twitter just for a moment. Uh, Herbstreet says, it's so ridiculous that any of this keeps being brought up. No chance of any quarterback dethroning the quarterback the year before led the Dogs to national championship as a freshman. Obviously, Justin's a special player, but this argument is tired in all caps, Kirk Herbstreet says. Please stop this. And the thing that he's stopping, asking to stop, is the idea that that Fromm was chosen over Justin Fields to be the star of the 2018 season. Fields then leaves, goes to Ohio State, makes the college football playoff a couple of times, becomes a Heisman finalist, and becomes a first-round pick who's about to seemingly take over the city of Chicago, maybe be the most beloved athlete in that city, uh, based on the early buzz for him there around the Bears. And so a lot of Georgia fans are as tired of this as Kirby Smart is. I totally understand that. But let me just make a real quick point here for a moment. I think all of this, once again, demonstrates the importance of of JT Daniels for Georgia this year, that Daniels is not just playing for his own legacy, although I'm sure that's the most important thing for him, and he's not just playing to lead Georgia to a national championship, although that's clearly the number one goal in all of this, that Daniels' presence at Georgia this season can actually have the pleasant byproduct, what do you call this, a uh, a latent benefit, I think that's what the smart people would say here, uh, the latent benefit of Daniels at Georgia is, is that he could actually put the from Fields narrative that Kirk Herbstreit says he's tired of, and many of you would say you're tired of, if you truly never want to hear that again, the way that JT Daniels plays this year 
could potentially ensure that you don't ever have to hear that again. And at the risk of bringing up another name that I've been told before people don't like hearing on Dog Nation Daily, let's think about Nick Saban here for a moment. Go back to 2017 and the national championship game and inserting Tua Tungavailoa in there and he throws the touchdown pass that wins it. Think about how consequential of a decision that was at the time. I mean, Jalen Hurts was kind of an unusual player for Alabama in that in years previous, you pretty much always knew who Saban's starting quarterback was going to be. It was going to be the guy who had been in the program the longest. It was going to be the guy with the most experience. Saban had a history of just trusting veteran quarterbacks as his starter. If there was a competition, it would eventually be won by the veteran. You could almost book that. But in 2016 for Alabama, that was completely different. Fields, as a freshman, excuse me, uh, Hertz, as a freshman, won that uh, starting job for Alabama. This was a special player for Nick Saban, and yet Saban made the incredibly unorthodox decision to pull him in the second half of the national championship game in 2017. And Tua Vailoa actually got a chance to lead Alabama to a national championship. And I think at the time, most of us thought, that would be the decision that would define Nick Saban as a coach. How he handled Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Jalen Hurts for the good and for the bad uh, would be the thing that folks remembered Nick Saban for. But here we are a couple of years later, and all of a sudden that kind of seems like a distant memory. And a lot of that's because of how well Mac Jones played last year. For all the attention that Tua got and Jalen Hurts got, Mac Jones actually ends up being the more successful player, I believe, than the other two because after Tua's, you know, uh, throw in 2017 he didn't lead Alabama to a national championship in 2018 you know or 2019 but Mac Jones did a a a year ago and it's almost like the presence of Mac Jones the success he had last year all of a sudden you don't remember quite so much about the big pivotal decision that Nick Saban made in 2017 now hopefully the comparison here at Georgia is obvious and that right now, unfortunately, the coaching decision that defines Kirby Smart's first years at UGA more than anything else was the decision to choose from Overfields in 2018 and the aftermath that has occurred since then. It's still ongoing for that choice. JT Daniels plays the way that he has the potential of playing, maybe echoing some of what Mac Jones did for Alabama a year ago. By the time you start thinking about 2022 and beyond, whatever happened with Fromm and Fields truly does feel like a distant memory and not a dark cloud that still hangs over the program. That's not the kind of pressure that you know Daniel should have on him, but if he plays well enough this year, it'll make folks forget about that. And trust me, for Georgia, that'll be a good thing and not just because UGA fans themselves are exhausted about hearing about it. So with that in mind, let's focus on JT Daniels for a moment and, and the process that he's going through to make whatever's still said about Justin Fields, who's about to have, it certainly seems like, a very good NFL career. He's certainly one of the most talked about rookies for the upcoming season. As Daniels gets ready to alter or at least has the potential to alter the Georgia quarterback narrative moving forward let's talk for a moment about where things stand with him right now coming off of what was a second scrimmage for Georgia this past Saturday first of all it was interesting to hear and I thought the overall tone the overall theme for the Georgia scrimmage on Saturday I thought it was really mostly positive obviously no injuries that's certainly a good thing at least no new injuries but also just in terms of what Smart seemed to think he saw when he spoke to reporters and what he has kind of seen ongoing, even though we fixated on injuries or who might not be there. Kirby Smart says the absence of would-be pass-catching targets may not be that bad of a negative thing for, for Daniels right now that he actually has a little bit more cohesion with those wide receivers than you might imagine, giving all the shuffling that seems to have gone on. This is Kirby Smart on that from Saturday. 
JT's had, for the most part, he's had pretty good rhythm with guys. I mean, you can make excuses all the time, but people are injured in football. So you go play with the guys that are out there. They, 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 they got to throw all summer, you know. So all the guys were out there all summer, and we've had a few guys in and out during camp, but I don't know any team in college football that doesn't in terms of some guys in, some guys out, based on pulls, ankles, uh, being banged up. I mean, listen, I haven't heard anybody say anything about Daniels all summer long that would lead you to believe that he's anything less than comfortable and confident at Georgia heading this upcoming season. Comfortable with the offense, confident in his role in that offense. Beyond just that, comfortable and confident in his own health right now. Daniel's been through a lot when it comes to the to the injury that he's been forced to recover from. He talked about that. We mentioned Marty McGee a moment ago. He talked about that himself with Marty McGee, and that's a hard path that he's traveled down. But it seems like now – he is towards the end of that path and seemingly feeling pretty good about things. It's nice right there to hear Smart say, yeah, maybe Kiaris has been in and out a little bit. Maybe Jermaine Burton's been in and out a little bit. But Smart's been throwing with guys. And, and I should say that Daniels has been throwing with guys. And, and, and Daniels is finding that rhythm even in the midst of a wide receiver situation that for the most part still has playing time up for grabs. That's interesting. What was maybe not quite as enjoyable for me, though, is when Smart was asked specifically – about the identity of the Georgia offense. And this is the kind of thing that I think the average fan can answer clearly. Ask the average fan, hey, what should the UG offense identity be as you head towards this upcoming year? Almost every fan's going to say they've got to match the high-powered passing attack that the best teams in the country have put on full display over the course of the last couple of years. The average fan can answer that in one sentence. As of yet, Kirby Smart's language and all this, not quite as succinct. He was asked about the offensive identity for Georgia once again on Saturday, and this is what he said about that still a couple of weeks ahead of the season opener versus Clemson. Some of that's dictated by who the defense is, right? Like, we, we want to dictate to the defense what we do, but at the same time, some of what they do matters. You know, if they, you know every defense we play will be different. There'll be three down fronts, four down fronts. There'll be uh, big, small, experience in this level, experience on that level. We want to take advantage of what they give us. So I don't know that we can we can identify what we want to work on, but we're just trying to figure out who the best football players are, not the guy that knows the signal the best and can go execute. We're trying to figure out who the best football players are, and that's been our intent in two scrimmages is not to go out and trick the defense. We're, we're going out to play fundamental football, and now it'll become a little more scheme because we got to figure out exactly what each guy can do and what he does well and who we want to become. I think it's important to note what Smart says there at the end. The time for game planning against Clemson happens right now, and scheming guys open will be obviously the name of the game for the next couple of weeks. But beyond that, let me try to sum all of this up this way. Establishing an identity for the Georgia offense that's recognizable by everyone is crucial. It's the kind of way that you get the most out of your quarterback, JT Daniels, for the upcoming season. And – if Daniels puts on display the full measure of the talent that he has on offer, all of a sudden these tired conversations about what Justin Fields was, what he is right now, and what Georgia could have had if it kept him, all of a sudden those conversations won't feel nearly as relevant in the future to come. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the page at dognation.com. It's really fun to see those videos, including our own show, right there at the top of the page, each and every day at dognation.com. A lot of fun. We're on the Dog Nation app today, I believe that's right. We're beta testing there on the app. That's actually a really cool thing, too, because so many of you, I'm talking about, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of you, tens of thousands of you for sure, are you know connecting with that app all the time. And so to be able to put the show right there inside of that, technologically speaking, I'm not even sure how you do that, but it's kind of cool that it's ongoing. So big, big thanks to everyone making that happen behind the scenes. And big thanks to uh, the sponsor that you see right there over my shoulder, for those of you watching on video, who makes all that possible there as well. My friends at Pella Window and Door of George. Listen. This is the time of year in Georgia where it's a very good thing to keep the inside where it's supposed to be on the inside of your house and keeping that outside, outside, cool air flowing around. You don't want that escaping through inefficient windows or doors and all the outside heat and the nasty stuff that seems to float in the air when that outside heat is uh, cranked up like it is right now. Keep that where it belongs outside your house. Once again, better windows and doors. One of the great ways that you're able to do that. That's why I love Pella Window Indoor of Georgia. Nationally known company, unparalleled resources, locally owned branch right here in Georgia. That means unrivaled service. You know, they really take care of you. And in a special, no pressure consultation, you can do it in person. You can still do it virtually if that's what you would prefer to do. One of the experts from Pella Window Indoor of Georgia will walk you through all the installation options, all of the different choices that you have available for you, and really help equip you with the information that you need to make the right decision for you, your family, and the home home that you live in so that's incredible stuff also between now and september 16th there's a great offer you can take advantage of too you can currently replace all your windows with payments as low as 99 a month or you can get 10 percent off qualifying installations that's great savings and easy to get in touch with there as well let me give you a couple of ways first of all by phone give them a call 678-638-1496 once again 678-638-1496 or online pella of ga.com slash dog nation that's pella of ga.com slash dog nation just do me a favor Tell them BA from Dog Nation Daily made a promise to you that they would take good care of you. I feel very confident saying that because I know that they will. And I know that your house is going to be looking better when it's all said and done because of some better windows and doors for my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. It's John Stinchcomb coming up. We'll get an insider update with Classic City Logger with John as the dogs get ready for Clemson. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I want to be kind of quick with this because I want John's opinion on it. But one of the things that is also seemingly coming into focus for UG a little bit right now is the current state of the offensive line. Now, listen, the Warren Erickson injury is still a big deal there, but it sounds like on the basis of some of the online chatter, hey, maybe Cedric Von Prahn is is actually you know showing himself uh, pretty well right now, and the confidence that Georgia is starting to identify who its guys are going to be against Clemson. We've said it over and over again that maybe the most pivotal matchup for Georgia to pay attention to is how its offensive line performs against the what on paper certainly appears to be a dominant Clemson defensive front. That battle crucial for UGA and it seems like despite the injury to Erickson and despite the unknown status at a couple of those positions left tackle maybe most cr- critical here. It seems like Kirby Smart's confidence in this group and what they'll put on the field in Charlotte two Saturdays from now, it seems like that's starting to come together here for a moment. We're around the doghouse, assisted by AAA. Let's hear Kirby Smart on the offensive line from Saturday. We've really settled into the five that are that are repping with the ones. We just rotate to get depth and rotate guys around. There's still good competition going on at tackle. It's good competition going on at center when, when Warren's been healthy to practice uh, since his return from the injury. So he's been able to practice some and do some things. And then Schaefer and Tate have uh, been primary at guard, but we've shuffled some guys around at guard to to get different guys in there. So I mean, I feel good about our depth at our offensive line. And, you know, we still got time to determine who the, the starting five will be in terms of the tackles. But 
it's not like we're out there doing musical chairs. I mean, they, they play 20 plays one way, and then they might play another 20 another way just to, to get the best guys on the field. So I think that's really interesting from Smart there. He says a lot in just a few words at the beginning of that clip that saying that we've settled in on who our five are. Now, he's not going to reveal those to us, nor is he under any obligation to. But it's almost like what matters to me, and for those of you who are cheering for Georgia two Saturdays from now, the fact that Smart knows now makes you feel better about that group, whoever it ends up being. Now, if I make my assumption, my assumption is it's probably Jamari Salyer who gets a chance to start at left tackle. If you're that confident what you're doing, then maybe that means that Van Prahn really is ready to emerge at the center position, or maybe they think they're getting Erickson back or whatever else. But the point here is is that even if we can't fully figure out and maybe we'd have slightly differing opinions on who the five is going to be, the fact that Smart says he knows the five means there's a group that's clearly performed the best in these recent days in practice. And that level of confidence from him and presumably Matt Luke there I think speaks well about the group, even if we're still going to be left to wonder exactly who it is, whether it's Salyer at this position or that position or, you know, whether it's you know trust emerging or or you know Van Pran emerging you know whatever the emergent story is the fact that Smart says we've identified it I think should go a long way with UGA fans pretty good stuff all the way around that is around the doghouse it's assisted today by our friends at AAA and listen you talk you hear me talk all the time about the legendary roadside assistance for AAA had a little bit of car trouble last couple of days uh, AAA was right there for us when it comes to all that we're always grateful for that. But in addition to that, AAA can do so much more for you than just that there as well. Think about them for auto insurance there, too, because when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. That's real folding money that you can put back in your pocket, courtesy of our friends at AAA, when you switch and save your auto insurance with them. So please do me this favor. Hit them up online, aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's aaa.com slash auto insurance. They deliver and help uh, assist us with Around the Doghouse here today. They can also assist you when it comes to your auto insurance needs. So please make sure you check them out online, aaa.com slash auto insurance. All right, before we're done, we're going to talk about a recruiting story for Georgia that seemingly came to an end this weekend, but not necessarily with the resolution that dog fans may have been hoping for a couple of months ago, although maybe not quite so surprising once you get to now. Uh, we'll look at kind of a, a, a interesting look at what some Georgia fans kind of imagined as a possibility for the game against Clemson. I'll explain more of that to you later on. I think it'll make sense at the time. But for now, on everything related to a very, very interesting second scrimmage for Georgia, what Kirby Smart had to say about that, and where things stand before the season opener against Clemson on September 4th. Let's get all of that right now as a part of a classic city logger insider update with the former UG All-American John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I say hello to John Stinchcomb. I always like talking offensive line with John Stinchcomb because, listen, when you got a guy that played the position at a high level, you want to lean on that expertise as much as you can. And, John, one of the things I was saying before you joined us was is that in the audio we just heard from Kirby Smart saying, oh, we've kind of identified our five. He's obviously not going to announce that, you know. <laughs> like Ray Clay would have for the uh, Bulls starting lineup, you know, back in the 1990s. He's not going to, you know, necessarily do that for us. But the fact that Smart himself seems to think he knows who the best five are and seems to think that now it's about just kind of solidifying the depth of who you also trust to play, I take that as a pretty good thing. Now, if I gave my projected starters for that game, would I get all five of them right? Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. But ultimately – 
Smart's confidence that he knows the five is probably, to me, more important than my own confidence that I could name them and guess he and Matt Luke's thinking on this. Where, where do you come down on something like that? Uh, it's that time. I mean, you're a couple weeks out, less than that now. Uh, from week one, season one, game one, uh, and it's a pretty big opponent. So at this time of year, you need to know who your horses are and who you can count on and get them the reps together as much as possible so that you're rolling in with confidence and there's that cohesiveness that comes with taking those reps next to one another, understanding how you enter inner blocks, uh, understanding the the protections and the various ways that guys take them on. I know there's chemistry that gets created when you have that kind of consistency and um, it also breeds a little confidence. Once you know who that five are, um, yeah, it's almost a relief. And even for guys that aren't in that five, they know what they're shooting for. So um, it's that time of year. At the end of this training camp, you want to feel confident with your five. I, I, to be honest with you, B.A., I'd be really concerned if he comes on and said, uh, you know, we're, we're still not sure who our five are. There's still competition there. That, to me, is an indication that nobody's really jumped out and we haven't been able to identify five guys that we can consistently count on. So, you know, I, I look forward to the return of Warren Erickson. I think that's going to be a big piece. But um, knowing that they feel at least somewhat confident with the five that um, they've identified as the, as the best to, to lead us into the charge against Clemson, I feel really good about it. All right, so I have to be very honest about something. I think you gave a great answer to that question, but the answer that you gave actually now makes me feel a little less good than I did a moment ago for for this reason. <laughs> you, you know, you're right. Like one way or another, you got two weeks now to get ready for the game. Like it is time to to have it figured out, and it kind of leads me to the concern of, and I'm just basically playing devil's advocate by mentioning this and not trying to be too negative. But is this one of those things of? Well, you've got to project some confidence because at this point in time, you just got to figure out who your five are and try your best to get them ready. The time for competing is kind of over, and now you've got to try to try to make sure that you've got you know something ready to go. You know, you might think about like quarterback situation from a year ago, for instance, once Jamie Newman opted out so close to the start of the season that you didn't have time to compete anymore. You just had to start trying to get somebody ready for that position. I mean, I have to admit that some of those feelings kind of go through my mind here now based on what you just said, and it's not your fault. It's my fault for taking your answer into a dark, <laughs> twisted place here. But all of a sudden now I wonder if the confidence that Smart professed in that, in that answer is a, is a false confidence that, that may be attempting to be projected more so than a true confidence that's reflective of what he's actually seeing. Well, don't get nervous now, B.A. We're about to <laughs> jump into the fray, <laughs> and it's going to be a big one against Clemson. Uh, I, I think the good news is you start, you're starting with really talented. It's a talented group, and you know there are various situations where you're trying to hide and protect position groups or positions specifically where you just don't have that guy. Um, and, and we've seen that in the past where – you're trying to overcompensate. You have to change up your scheme. No matter what the decision is with this front five, I don't see that happening. I, I think there should be, um, based on what we've seen last year, based on the competition that's occurred over throughout this offseason, there should be a good level of confidence in whoever that five is. I, I heard you say that if, uh, you, you think it's going to be Jamari Salyer at left. 
Well, we saw a full season of that, and I've got complete confidence yeah. if he is the guy that we can expect that level of play, which also means if he's not the guy at left tackle, they must feel really good about someone's preparation and that they're ready for that step because we know where the bar is set. Uh, Jamari played at a, at a uh, underappreciated level, um, and and that's you know I think we can agree that's not really his natural position. He's just that level of uh, a player that can take on the challenge of being you know uh, more gifted or better suited at the interior, but has the ability to move out when the team called on him to do so. So I think, you know, rest easy, B.A., whatever that decision is. Uh, we've, we've got some really talented players, and we know where that floor is, and that's still pretty high for us. No, I think that's a, a, a fair point and very well said. Let me move on to something else that I brought up a moment ago. I am curious your thoughts on that. You know, Kirk Herbstreit talked about be tired, being tired of hearing about Jake Fromm, Justin Fields-type narratives after those two quarterbacks played against each other in NFL preseason, and a lot of our audience is there as well. But, John, you know, honesty compels me to admit that when a guy leaves your program, goes somewhere else, makes the college ball playoff twice, you know, becomes a Heisman finalist, becomes a first-round pick, like, that's not a good thing, right? I mean, you know, especially when Georgia, by comparison, has struggled at the quarterback position since then. I mean, listen, I'm the biggest Georgia partisan in the world, but even I can admit, like, that's not a good thing when it plays out that way. And yet, to me, you can erase all that if JT Daniels goes up this year and plays as well as he has a chance to play, that there is a way of making whatever happened with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm in 2018 and what didn't happen for Georgia once Fields left – there's a way of making people just completely forget about that forever as long as you're as good at the quarterback position this season as you have a chance to be, and that's what Daniels is playing for. Now, he's not thinking about that. He may not even know who Fromm or Fields even are. He's got his own you know, goals and ambitions he's thinking about, but you better believe we'll all benefit from it, those of us who are also tired of this, if Daniels plays as, as well as he can. Where would you come down on something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's what fans do this time of year is lament the missed opportunities and uh, you look back and you know hindsight is 2020 and you see what uh, Justin Fields has been capable of and you think what might have been in Georgia now with that said you know his freshman year at Georgia there was uh, every time you deployed him and it was a very limited way in which Georgia utilized Justin Fields skills um, it was he was seen more as a runner I mean it was a dual threat but primarily run threat situation for him and um, that probably means during practice they felt really confident with Jake Fromm and and his ability to get the ball down the field and uh, let's be honest guys I mean uh, there is a developmental process and Justin Fields today is a much better player than he was the first day he stepped foot on campus that same comment could be made for 99% of the players that enter into college football. So I think the best thing for Georgia is success. You have a lot of success specifically in this scenario at the quarterback position. Um, We're competing for things at the end of the year. That becomes the focal point. That becomes uh, the discussion about, man, JT Daniels and the pickups that uh, that was and understanding his journey. Uh, that's what folks are going to be talking about, and I think that's the direction I think we would all 
really prefer this conversation to be trending. It's our classic city logger insider update with John Stinchcomb. And of course, I love every time I get a chance to go back to the classic city there in Athens, stop by and visit the snow tire facility right there in downtown and enjoy myself some of the great creature comforts brewery uh, choices, including classic city logger, which really probably is my, my favorite from them. It's just good cold beer. I mean, frankly, I'm kind of a simple guy at heart. Um, I like just good cold beer and I love classic city lager because it's a lighter lager style beer. That means that it's easy drinking, but there's no sacrifice on the flavor. And let's face it, we want, you know, good flavor. Life's too short for for, uh, something that's not, you know, featuring crisp, enjoyable flavor. And that's what classic city lager uh, certainly provides for you. And so if you're in Athens, you can stop by and see him. But listen, you don't have to be in Athens to enjoy yourself some Classic City Lager. Wherever you do your shopping for your groceries and things like that, you can pick up Classic City Lager. It is available 12 months a year in the six of the 12-pack cans. The can itself looks great, too, by the way. Uh, not only does it taste great, but it looks great there in your hand. I know a lot of folks getting stocked up on that as we start thinking about tailgating season coming up here. So make sure you check out some Classic City Lager, whether it's, you know, six pack cans 12 pack cans wherever you're doing your shopping just look for it it is right there and you can uh, be ready to go for the football season it's on its way with classic city lager just good cold beer so john i sort of get the impression that you talked before about hey you know time for the offensive line to be gelling but i sort of get the impression that the overall vibe coming off the scrimmage on saturday was pretty positive it seems like Kyrus jackson's getting back to health it seems like jermaine burton's getting back to health based on the the online chatter that's out there maybe still waiting on a guy like john fitzpatrick but all of a sudden, you know, the, the the huge disappointment of the Darnell Washington injury or the, you know, other side of the ball, Tyke Smith injury and the continued, you know, concern that folks obviously have for Eric Gilbert while he's away from the football team. All of a sudden, it does seem like it's a little easier to focus on what's about to happen two weeks from now and then the, you know, 11 weeks to follow after that with, you know, a, a component group of playmakers that all in their own way have a chance to really bring something to the table here I get the sort of the feeling that the optimism level for Georgia fans a little higher after what Kirby Smart said on Saturday than maybe it was based on his comments from a week ago do you get the same sense I do and I I just I'm so grateful that we have a gluttony of riches because you just listed a number big-time playmakers that almost any team would lament losing and and georgia does i mean you want your best horses out there but to be able to withstand some of these losses i mean you know you you add a guy of gilbert's caliber to your roster or tyreek smith and you think man they are they're going to step in and contribute and they will at some point i mean uh, you know none of those are season ending issues hopefully that they're dealing with and you know, for for Gilbert in particular, you, you want him to be healthy first and foremost. I mean, he's a young man with a lot of life left in front of him, and he's got a very promising future. So, whatever help he needs, uh, I think we are all in agreement that that's what we want for him. And and secondarily, um, if part of that picture looks like he can uh, get back on the on the playing field um, sooner rather than later, and that that's a healthy move for him, then. Even even better, but first and foremost, you want a guy like that to get the help and, and get the stabilization and, and um, just the path that leads him to a, a successful future. So, little side note there, BA. But uh, back to, to Georgia overall. Sure. I mean, you just think, man, the fact that they've been able to create the depth that allows you to say, 
you know, you've lost A, B, C, D, and E, at least temporarily, but we still have, and you fill in the blank with a number of names that you feel pretty good about going into a game, and especially with guys returning from injury. The, the cycle is always uh, continuing on, isn't it? Where, yeah. You, know, you might have a couple go down and, and can't count on them, but about that same time, you've got others re- returning into the fold. So, um, again, it just speaks to the ability that this staff has had of uh, making sure that the cupboard is not bare when you lose one of these guys and that the next man up, which is you know one of those football adages that really holds true when you're playing at this level. No, I think that's uh, really, really true and really well said. John, thanks so much for being here as part of the Classic City Logger Insider Update with us. I can't wait to be with you next week, and we'll really get into what's going to happen in Charlotte with Georgia Clemson. Boy, what a game that's going to be. And uh, next mm. week we'll be talking about it in game week. It seems so exciting to think about that actually being here. So I know you're as ready for it as I am, and I'll look forward to doing that with you then. I'm pumped about it, man. We're about to see uh, you know, the, the latest version of Georgia football and. Uh, there's so much to be excited about. I can't wait to see what these running backs in conjunction with the more seasoned uh, JT Daniels looks like from this offensive standpoint. And, uh, we're going up against the best, uh, so it's going to be a really good test early on. I think everybody should be excited about that game. There's no doubt about that, John. We'll talk to you then. Looking forward to it. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off what John was saying there, I just – it's a challenge for Georgia, right? We know that. And the injuries maybe make it slightly more so, but I'm honestly not quite so sure that they do. It was always going to be a challenging game for Georgia against Clemson. I don't mean challenging in that uh, Georgia would be lucky to win. I mean, either team would be lucky to win. I mean, I, I think the – Narrow point spread. We've seen Clemson be a couple point favorite, you know, three point favorite. Uh, in some cases, you know, four point favorite. You know, for most of the summer here, it's just the kind of game that that seems destined to be decided by a, you know, by a, you know, one score or less with every play magnified and everyone trying to do what they can. I can't wait for it. It's the kind of drama that we live for when it comes to college football, and it seems like Georgia Clemson is going to have a ton of it. So we'll talk a lot more about that then. Let's move on now to our SEC through and. I guess I'll start kind of outside the SEC here, but it's obviously a recruiting battle that Georgia fans have been watching very closely. And over the weekend, it came to an end. And by this point in time, I don't think not you know really all that surprising necessarily, at least certainly not the fact that he didn't come to UGA. But five-star defensive tackle Travis Shaw did announce over the weekend that he's heading to uh, UNC. Commitment ceremony outside there, of course, in his home state of North Carolina. And you see some Tar Heel blue behind him, which gives you an idea of obviously how excited folks are there in the Tar Heel state to – to see Shaw going to North Carolina and listen whether it be you know the stuff that Dre Bly has done as defensive backs coach since he's come to UNC or the stuff that Mac Brown has done in as stewardship of the program overall North Carolina has become a real big recruiting factor and being able to secure Shaw as an in-state five-star defensive lineman don't forget North Carolina is a talent-rich state not as much as Georgia but but it's it's not the kind of state any program that wants to recruit the highest level can ignore and don't get it twisted. It's one of the reasons why I think Georgia likes the idea of playing this game in Charlotte. It's, it's more than just Jordan Davis's hometown. It's the future Jordan Davises that are out there in that state of North Carolina. You want to get their attention. It's one of the reasons why you know Georgia wants to be in Charlotte and obviously across the state of North Carolina. 
you know, it's the kind of state where you can really find yourself some players, and right now more of those guys than ever before seem to be intent and content to stay at home there with, with Mac Brown and the program that he's putting together. So Shaw does make his choice. By the way, speaking of high school football, thank you so much for so many of you who expressed some kind words for me about being back in the booth again for high school football. I just loved being there as a part of the Corky Kell Classic over the weekend. Uh, my game Friday from City Park in Gainesville, and then on Saturday a couple games there from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, including Walton and Lowndes, the thriller that they put together at the end, uh, the, the final game for me, end of the game uh, for them, was just so much fun. And we obviously saw an incredible collection of talent. I'm looking forward to being back at it again from Midtown High School on Friday. Fun game coming up between Midtown and North Atlanta. North Atlanta fresh off a win coming uh, against Wheeler this past weekend. They're getting back at it. So I, I, it's, it's so much fun to be doing that again. It's obviously... I'm a big fan of high school football in this state, and I'm really, really thankful to be able to be out there and doing all of that again. So many of you were so nice to tell me that you watched, and I, I just really appreciate that because this is a labor of love for me, and it's just something that I'm really glad to be a part of. So thank you for the for the kind words on that. And, you know, Jeff Sintel was also looking at the Jefferson and Rabin game on Friday. Two ob- obviously big George commits, Gunnar Stockton and Malachi Stark. There's more coverage coming from that on dognation.com. And so... The high school season is now back. It gets started a little earlier than college does, and we're obviously following all that really closely. One of the things that got a lot of attention over the weekend was an interesting answer that Nick Saban gave, Alabama coach, when asked about Jaleel Billingsley. The You look at any list of like potential breakout players in the SEC this year, Billingsley, a very athletic tight end, is one of the guys that shows up there. But Billingsley's been away from Alabama practice and seemingly in the you know outside the good graces of Alabama coach Nick Saban. And Saban was asked about you know, Billingsley being back and getting some playing time, things like that. And the answer that Saban gave has gotten a lot of positive attention. I want to read you a little bit of this, then, you know, i share a quick thought here for a moment about Billingsley and being back playing. And he says, that's up to him. It's not up to me. He knows what he's supposed to do at practices. He knows what he's supposed to do. It's not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. You've got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. A sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. I had a Georgia fan say, listen, I believe red and black as much as anybody, but I love Nick Saban's demeanor. And I have to admit that when it comes to stuff like this, I, I like it a lot too. Let me tell you specifically what I like about it. And in reading this, and there's a lot more that can be read. It's, it's a really good quote from Nick Saban. The video is easy to find online there as well. But here's the determination I kind of make. I think this statement might explain the success of, of uh, Saban as much as anything, and this matters. It's worth pointing this out for a program like Georgia that's trying to build itself up to the same degree or really any sporting entity or maybe even any entity in life that just wants to have more success. Nick Saban, as a leader for Alabama, has not created what I think you might call a, a cult of personality and that's not a reference to cm punk returning for uh, aew I'm, I'm talking about you know the, the the you know the idea of of hey the entire success of, of the alabama program being around being about nick saban's charisma that's not what the alabama program is because frankly at times saban's not necessarily all that charismatic he can obviously go on these big long rants but it's not like nick saban's this dynamic leader that's super magnetic that that everybody you know seems to want to just spend as much time around as they possibly can as we said earlier in the show sometimes it seems like people actually 
like a break from Nick Saban every now and then. You know, they they play they work for him for a couple of years as assistant coach, but then they're looking to go work somebody you know somewhere else. And that's not necessarily a jab at Nick Saban. It's just you know kind of the kind of the way things go there. But in this particular statement about Billingsley, the tight end, I think you see the real magic formula for Nick Saban. That his success is not because he's so charismatic as a leader. He's you know c- you know cultivated this you know cult of personality around him. It's that he's established this standard that stands as the judge for everybody, himself included. That that you're not playing to please Saban. You're playing to please the standard that Saban's put in place. And the coaches that work there, Saban himself, is going to be judged by the standard. That's a really really important thing. That you know, eventually charisma just has a way of kind of wearing thin, dying off, and you know, if, if the only thing that you have as a coach is the is the natural energy you bring to the job, well, energy wanes. It's a it's a, it's it's a finite resource. It diminishes over time. But but a standard has a way of remaining as valuable fifty years from now as it was five minutes ago, and that's kind of the cool thing about uh, Nick Saban, Alabama. Nothing that he says there is, he better do what it takes to please me. That's not what Saban's saying, at least not in the sentences that I read there a moment ago. He's saying he better he better do he better yeah, that's the right grammar. Yeah, he better he needs to do what it takes to please the standard that's outside of me and outside of him and kind of standing above all of us. I think that's kind of a cool thing uh from Nick Saban. And I, I guess count me among the people that kind of like the answer as much as other people kind of have. We'll make that your SEC through. And here for a second, I want to be very clear about something on Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. If you're watching a video, what I'm about to show you, I believe, might be considered fake news, but I don't really care. I think it's still just kind of interesting to point out anyway. There's a guy on Twitter, and a lot of you know him. Um, what was it? Hunt the Jones? Is that what he calls himself on Twitter? He's incredibly talented. I'm always kind of amazed by the Georgia media and social media ecosystem that we kind of all live in. There's just certain people that have their own kind of niche. And uh, what uh, uh, Hunter does that's really good is he's just good at like alternate uniform type things so i'm going to show you this tweet you know full disclosure with with due respect to the tweeter i believe this is fake news but it's still seemingly kind of interesting so what hunter puts on twitter is uh, inside sources say georgia and clemson have agreed to an all color game and on the right there you see clemson wearing all purple you see georgia wearing all red and what hunter tweets is that both programs want to sell their ability to replicate nfl quote color rush uh style uniforms for recruiting purposes uh, he says, Georgia's going to be in all red. Tiger's going to be in all purple. Now, um, this tweet got in massive engagement, and I think it's probably not true. Um, I, and I think it's, you know, mostly on the Clemson side. I, I don't think Clemson, you know, they have, you know, Dabo just has very strict rules about when they wear certain things and the all purple, um, it's not something that Clemson really likes doing anymore. The all red from Georgia, that's not really a look we've seen from them anymore. And as I said before, even though I think it's probably fake news, I still think it's somewhat interesting. And the thing I think it's somewhat interesting is I actually don't hate this. And I'm listen, I'm the biggest traditionalist in the world. And I kind of roll my eyes at the idea that, you know, like, hey, alternate uniforms are a are a valuable part of the recruiting process. I think that kind of stuff is kind of overrated. I don't think it's as true as some people want to think it is. But nonetheless, Seeing Clemson in the all-purple uniform here, seeing Georgia in the all-red as described kind of a color rush type thing, I don't think they will do this, but I don't think it'd be terrible if they did. I'm actually somewhat surprised that I think that because I told you before that when Georgia you know, wore the red pants against Arkansas last year or the black jerseys a couple times they've come out, like 
the thing that I'm always worried about is slippery slope. And guys like me who are like traditionalists at heart, like we're always leaning on slippery slope as the argument for everything. And I've always been afraid that, yeah, you let, you, you let Georgia wear one alternate uniform, pretty soon they're never wearing the same uniform ever again. And, you know, the brand is somewhat tarnished by the fact that nothing's ever stable and nothing's ever, you know, sticking around long enough to be traditional. And I guess I, for the most part, still feel that way. But if this tweet ever did end up being true, I don't believe that it is, but if it ever did end up being true and you had the all purple for Clemson, the all red for Georgia, I got to tell you, even a traditionalist like me, that, that, that's not a bad look for that field in Charlotte for September 4th. And I'm actually somewhat surprised to say that I feel that way. So uh, good stuff by a guy who seemingly always has some really cool uniform combinations on social media. Um, so I mentioned the Nick Saban thing a little earlier. I also kind of made fun of Nick Saban's hair in this and turnabout's only fair play. So as we roll into our golden shoe here, and sometimes as part of our Gator hater roll call, it's someone hating on the Gators. And sometimes it's just kind of whatever we want it to be. And if I'm going to make fun of Nick Saban, then I have to be fair game for people making fun of me. And so I'll give a golden shoe today to Rich Olenek, who wrote to me and said, after me making fun of Nick Saban's hair, he says, what's up with my hair? And he looks at my Twitter avatar picture. Here's the thing that concerns me about Rich there on this. Is frankly, it's actually like way overdue for me to probably get a new Twitter picture because that picture that I have up on Twitter right now is like six years old, probably. I mean, honestly, that's when I felt like I looked pretty good. So if that picture's worth making fun of, then gosh, how do I look now? But either way, we'll make Rich our golden shoe winner for today. And speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, coming up just 68 days from now, dogs get a win against Florida. We'll see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take some of your comments at the comment section at dognation.com, on Twitter at dognationdaily. And some pretty good stuff all the way around. One of you mentioned to me that the link to the podcast there at dognation.com had kind of come through a little bit of an in an odd way. I'm not quite so sure why it is. It's almost like it's like reduced in size, kind of cut in half almost. Um, on my laptop, it's still playing that way, but it does look a little weird right now. I'm gonna look into that and see exactly why. It, because the last couple of podcasts kind of show up that way. So I don't know if that's like the formatting or, or what, but it was a little bit odd the way that kind of uh, showed up there on the site. So I'll take a look at that and see where we are. Doggy also writes in, that's D-A-W-G-G-Y, on the topic of JT Daniels. I like JT and love his story and hope he leads the dogs to a magical season. But let's let it happen first before we argue about JT's Heisman status or his draft position. Let him prove his value to the dogs. That'll be plenty of proof to voters everywhere. This is going back to Friday's show. I think that's certainly fair. And, you know, this is one of the things you kind of have to acknowledge is that there are a lot of quarterbacks who seemingly stand at the spot. I'm going to use a bigger word than I should precipice at the precipice of where Daniel seems to stand right now, which is on the way to the kind of season that validates him as the guy who has justifiably gotten all the attention that he's gotten from UGA fans now from recruiting observers before that for many many years as a member of the five-star you know portion of the 2018 class and unfortunately the batting average for these guys is not perfect now stars matter and Daniels as a five-star is more likely to succeed than you know most of the quarterbacks who are ranked less than him but the batting average for these guys is always only going to be about 50 percent 50 percent of these guys go on to have the kind of success that you think five stars supposed to have, and about half of them kind of don't. And going into a career, it's always really hard to know which half is which, because if you did know that, then you wouldn't make them all five stars. You would 
more closely identify the ones that of that five-star group were more likely to succeed. Now, I like as the commenter said, I like a lot of the things that I've seen from from JT Daniels. Um, I like his personality. Um, I think that boy, the ball looks good coming out of his hand. You know, I mean, every throw that he's made at Georgia hasn't been perfect. He's had some that I'm sure he'd like to have had back. And we can, you know, cite examples of that from time to time. Even in the four games he started last year, he wasn't perfect in all those games, but he was very, very good. And so I have every reason to believe that that Daniels is going to do big things. But as Bama Dog kind of points out, or I'm sorry, not not Bama Dog, Doggy kind of points out, um, the wait and see approach that someone like Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, we mentioned this on Friday's show, the wait and see approach that someone else might take on Daniels is maybe to a degree justified. It's it's somewhat fair to say we want to see him do it before we feel confident saying that he's going to be one of the you know the first quarterbacks taken in the 2022 draft, or that he's going to be a Heisman finalist or anything like that. This is one of the things that's always kind of hard for us to wrestle with. What is possible? What is maybe even highly possible? And you know the fact that highly possible doesn't rhyme with guaranteed it's not a synonym for guaranteed and for Daniels the sky is the limit but nothing is certain and obviously that's one of the reasons that in one of the things that he's playing for this upcoming season I think the doggy brings a pretty good point there I also mentioned the video side a moment ago about how I have a tendency to have a lot of nervous energy and I made the comparison to the former Braves pitching coach some of you may be aware of Leo Mazzoni and the Honorable J.D. Dogwalker on Twitter said that Leo Mazzoni was a perfect analogy for what for himself watching a UGA game, and yeah, for me there too. Because what I was saying is in the press box, and I you know take this seriously. I try to be a professional. Um, there's no cheering, right? And in some of these press boxes, there's no talking. Like being at Notre Dame in 2017 uh, was very strange. It's the quietest press box I've ever been in, and not only do I have a lot of nervous energy. I get really nervous when things are too quiet. I have a tendency to want to fill the silence somehow. And the Notre Dame press box was so quiet. Now, some people just love it. They just love the idea of what they call a working press box. They just love that. But um, uh, it's just almost too quiet for me. And, like, there was the – the PA, the, there's there's a press box PA announcer. And I think he was joking. He was so deadpan. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, but basically uh, – Somebody said something at one point in time. Um, he said, uh, there's no cheering in the press box. Then he's like, there's no talking in the press box. And then uh, people kind of chuckled about that. And he says, there's no laughing in the press box either. And it's like, <laughs> he was joking, I think, deadpan kind of humor. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, like some of these press boxes are just very, very quiet. And, you know, I got to do my job and I'm, you know, there to do it. So I want to be professional as I do it. But, you know, a lot of times, very tense and intense game, I'm tying myself in knots. I remember actually go back to South Bend for a moment. I actually had to leave that press box and go find a place to stand outside. Now, Notre Dame Stadium is incredibly nice, and so they had all kinds of, you know, platforms and balconies and almost like lanai's. And this is, it's a very, very nice place. Um, and had a wonderful section kind of off the press box. You just kind of go stand outside there and, you know, that's where I found myself watching, you know, basically most of the second half, fourth quarter of that game because it finally just got so intense I had to go somewhere where I could just kind of be alone, not necessarily to cheer out loud, but to just, you know, feel the emotion that comes from a game. And so a lot of you in your own way are getting ready to do that again, whether you're in the stadium and maybe you're you know, hooting and hollering while you're doing that or you're at home where you're, you know, not sitting down, you're standing up right in front of the screen watching it or whatever your routine is. We're all about to be in our routines. 
very soon when it comes to all of that. So good comments. We appreciate you being here for our podcast cool down today. Really thankful that our friends at R.S. Andrews make it possible. And, of course, don't forget, we'll be have Dari Payroll and our Go With The Flow show coming back here very soon from our friends at R.S. Andrews. So please find them online, rsandrews.com. They'll take care of you when it comes to air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. That means getting your air conditioner tuned back up to factory fresh specs, your old tired system. They can probably breathe some new life into it, but you got to reach out to them online, rsandrews.com. It just costs $99. That's the cool part about that there as well. So you'll have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.